From Santa Barbara, California, the Timeless Voyager series, where the knowledge is timeless and you are the Voyager. Interviews with leading-edge authors and speakers, psychic phenomena and the unexplained, UFOs, extraterrestrial encounters, government cover-ups, alternative health care, new technologies. Fasten your cosmic seatbelts and join me, your host, Bruce Stephen Holmes, the Timeless Voyager. Hello, everyone. Bruce Stephen Holmes for Timeless Voyager. My guest today is Lindsay Sharman of Rogue Soul Services. And uh, her site is rogueways.org. And for those of you who are not watching the video on other platforms, R-O-G-U-E-W-A-Y-S dot org. Analog, electric, concentric wisdom and spiritual healing. Here are a few of her soul services listed under spiritual support. Past life row reading, life path row reading, spiritual guidance sessions, full tuning and alignment, insight vignette reading, I Ching reading, and much more. Under books, she has four books. Uh, she says it's called Channeled Source Writing. One of them is called All Endings or Beginnings, Key of Transformational Healing, Earth, A Trough in Time, and Phi Talus, Sine Curve of Eons. Today's topic, or at least we're, we're going to talk a little bit about this today, is shamanism. I actually became interested in shamanism in 1970 when I read Tales of Power by Carlos Castaneda. One of my friends, Tim, was actually taking a class in the UCLA School of Anthropology taught by Carlos Castaneda. The book was published by the University of California Press in 1968. It was actually submitted as Carlos's master's thesis. It is widely considered a work of fiction by Wikipedia. I'm not going to say anything about Wikipedia, but Carlos Castaneda said this, and he said, and I quote, this is not a work of fiction. What I am describing is alien to us, therefore it seems unreal, close quote. I think the point that I'm making here is that uh, I'm not that familiar with shamanism, although I got a lot of my information from his books. I don't know if it's true or not. But that being said, I want to welcome Lindsay Sharman to our show today. Hi, Lindsay. Welcome. Hello. Thanks for having me, Bruce. It's an honor to be here with you. I know you've been traveling in these pathways for a long time, and it's always so great to be able to connect with uh, someone of that mindset. So thank you for having me. You have so many skills in your skill set here that it was very difficult for me in the beginning when we first talked to try to figure out what we would talk about. And I thought, well, let's do one that I'm interested in, which you seem to have some uh, information on. And in many ways, and I think it's important for people to know this, uh, in many ways, there's a lot of overlap here with all of these things that everyone's talking about. You know, you can name it shamanism, or you can you can go through all these different names of what things are, but the same basic thread seems to follow. Yeah, I actually really love that about spiritual healing and psychological healing and emotional healing and mental healing and even physical healing uh, that, you know, they're first of all, all connected. As you're healing one, you're healing the others, whether you know it or not. 
Uh, and then specifically, you know, I was actually giving a discussion uh, at a conference. I was giving a talk and one of the people in the audience uh, at the end, there was a question and answer, you know, and he said, you know, when you're describing your shamanistic healing and what you're actually doing and talking about soul retrieval and talking about past life healing, it sounds a lot like what we actually do in Jungian psychotherapy and sometimes in like hypnotic therapy and, and some of these different modalities. It sounds like the same thing, but it, you're calling it these other things. Do you think that they're similar? Uh, and I actually have the the benefit of having gone through Jungian psychotherapy and having gone through uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, EMDR therapy, and these different sort of modalities and having gone through shamanic healings and then having done, you know, a lot of shamanic healing myself as well, eventually. And I can see he's exactly right. They're very similar. And we just call them different things. We put them in different categories. And I think that's a good thing because I think there's people out there who would never do a shamanic healing <laughs> that would never come into their sphere, but maybe they could try psychotherapy, right? Like maybe that that's a little bit more trustworthy, it, really materialist types of people, that's going to be what they're more able to access. And then people, you know, of a different sort of mindset and nature might be able to jump into the shamanism. So I, there's so many, there's so many modalities, and they're all interconnected, and they're all beautiful. And I think whatever works for people is what they should do. So with that beginning, let's just talk a little bit about what you and, and do you, you do a type of shamanism, is that correct? Yeah, it's funny because I wouldn't have ever given myself that title or label. And a lot of people, it's it's kind of touchy because they will say like, well, who, you know, inducted you and who taught you and where did you get, you know, your actual initiation and all of this. And my teachers come from all over the world. They all come from different traditions um, and and they all just were I literally was just forced into them by life circumstance. I wasn't ever going looking for any of it. <laughs> um, so. I know that I that I do shamanism, that I work shamanically, but I wouldn't call myself a shaman because I don't have that. I no, no one of those teachers ever officially said, okay, you're now a shaman of this tradition, uh, right? So I, I don't really tend to claim that title, but it's been so frequent that people have said to me like, well, you're a shaman, you're doing shamanistic work. And I'm like, I can't deny that. So, you know, <laughs> it's really um, one of those words that there's a lot of confliction around in the world and uh, so I just kind of, if people want to call me that, I go, yep, I'm that. And if people don't want to call me that, I go, that's fine. It doesn't matter to me. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, let's, uh, let's talk, uh, let's give an example of something that you would be doing or that you teach um, uh, in this particular idea of being a shaman. Yeah. So I guess I'll share, um, you know, it's one of the least common types of healing I do, but it's one of the most powerful. And so that might be a really good example. And this is the healing ceremony. Uh, and the healing ceremony is really meant for people who are in a sort of deep state of, of crisis in their life. And especially if they feel that's a spiritual nature, but even if they don't, right, a lot of people, if they're just going through massive sort of changes, and they're just feeling really lost, uh, and like, they're not sure even why they're so conflicted feeling, this is a, an option they often choose. And in the healing ceremony, what I do is I use my shamanic tools like I have a, my drum and I have my beater and I have my you know different uh herbs and things that I use and and I fast uh before for for at least 18 hours or more sometimes 36 hours just depending on what I'm guided to do let's sure. let's just go back for a second because you're you you know this stuff so well that you flew <laughs> through a lot of things that I think people probably 
uh, would like to just get a little bit of clarification on. So yeah. you went through, I should, I should have been writing this down. <laughs> so you, you went through a list. Maybe we could define. Yeah. Well, one, one of the things I mentioned was my drum. This is a drum that I created in a, um, in a spiritually deep connected way. You know, I went into a, um, that spiritual space. It's always meditative. You know, people kind of ask, are you in a trance? Are you meditating? Uh, and again, it's one of those things where I'm like, well, I really don't see the difference. <laughs> when you go into a deep enough meditation, your brain waves are in a different state, right? You could say that that's trance-like. And, and so yes is the answer. I do, right? Um, and so I did that to make this drum. The drum actually is created of um, horse skin. It's um, on an oak. Uh, I don't remember what it's called, but you know, the, the actual wood part myself, right? I soaked the, the skin, I stretched it, I pulled it around the uh, frame, you know, and I used sinew, it's actual sinew, and I tied it myself. I did all of these things. I um, wrapped the center with, um, you know, what it needed to be wrapped with. And, and it's all made of, of animal and nature products, I, you know, and, and things that, and I chose these based on my own guidance of what would be best to me. I didn't paint my drum. A lot of people do. Uh, and I just, I was just, again, guided not to, to just leave it natural and, and open. So I did that. Uh, who knows, maybe someday I will be guided to paint it, but I haven't yet. Uh, and then I went and I, I was, you know, on a journey, a shamanic journey. And I was walking down a beach to find my, we call it the beater, the drum beater. I was guided to a very specific piece of wood. It's actually perfect in its shape. Um, you know, I was guided. I found some feathers along the way. Feathers have come to me my whole life. They're one of the things that I keep all around me. They're some of uh, what, you know, brings me into deeper connection with the, with the source energy or God or heaven or prana or chi or whatever people like to call it. Uh, and so those feathers are everywhere. There's some that were guided to be put into my beater. So the whole construction of it was done in a, you know, very spiritually connected and guided way. Uh, so it is a sacred object. I only use it for ceremony. I don't use it for any other reason. No one else touches it but me. It's my connection. It's my tool. Uh, and it has its own soul, you know, it has its own presence and it has its own energy that it brings. And so all shamanic tools are, are usually and most traditions are like this, that you go and you create it yourself. You use your own guidance to, you know, select the, the ingredients that go into it. And, and it becomes its own sort of almost living being with its own consciousness. And it becomes this really powerful tool that you get to use. And that's part of any ceremony, right, is that you use these tools that have been sort of enhanced spiritually, or they've been christened, or they've been blessed, or they've been purified, you know, and each tradition has their different ways of doing that. Uh, so my drum is one of those things that I would use. It has a name that I won't I won't share here, but uh, it does have a name. So all my tools also have their, you know, because they have that sort of their own consciousness and, and life force, they they will have names. I don't know if that's part of many traditions, but it's one of my my traditions <laughs> that I like. Uh, all right, let's see if I can find this thing now. Um, yeah, the uh, well. It and if, I would think that all these things would have names, actually. Yeah, I think it's important. You know, I 
it sounds silly to people and of a totally different nature, but I don't think it is. I name my cars and then I call them by that name. I talk to them as though they're alive because really every single object, item, being, entity, everything has its own essence. Everything has a soul. So why not acknowledge it? I think that things enjoy that, uh, even if they are supposedly inanimate. Here it is. There it is. Um, so now let me see. The the top part, okay, there's, the, okay, t just go ahead and tell us what the colors are and people will be able to follow what this thing is. Um, so that top piece is the beater, right? That's the actual stick that you're going to hit the drum with to uh, produce the sound. And um, that is the, the beach driftwood that I was talking about that I was guided to find. Those feathers are seagull feathers. Um, you know, seagulls have uh, their own special connection uh, in a lot of my own shamanic work. For me, so some might say they're one of my spirit guides. So they're part of that that beater's energy. Um, and then there's the drum itself below it. I love it. It just kind of looks like uh, almost like how the moon has different depressions and light and dark areas and the seas mm. on the moon. And so it always reminds me of that. And, you know, you don't have to have a circle. There was frames I could have chosen that were sort of hexagonal or other shapes. But um, the circle is sacred for many reasons, as is every shape, you know, but I just really... I really respond to the circle. It represents heaven. I don't know if people know this, but the circle is the smallest possible circumference or line, let's say, outline of a shape with the largest possible area enclosed. Mm. Uh, and so that's one of the... Geometrically classic. speaking. Geometrically speaking, <laughs> right? So that's part uh, of why they're sacred. Uh, that's uh, that's the skin. You said you were talking about the skin that that's made from? Yeah, that's the horse skin. Okay, and that horse died of natural causes or nobody knows or i actually have no idea yeah i just know that i got it from an old you know native uh shamanic uh, oh. healer themselves and so i'm not actually sure how they sourced it that'd be a good so... question that i never asked <laughs> <laughs> um one thing that you didn't mention and i was going to ask you this so when you're doing your ceremony um and you uh, well maybe you could just talk well would it be appropriate to talk a little bit about the ceremony or yeah yeah okay. i can describe it yeah, go ahead and, and give us a little idea. I'll keep that. Uh, I'm trying to find out how I can get me out of the picture and leave you in there. <laughs> well, the so the drum is um, a sacred part of the ceremony and it helps, you know, the, the song that I um, beat out on my drum was given to me in a, you, you might say, a shamanic vision, a shamanic experience. Uh, that's my song. So it was given to me by spirit and it was to be used in these uh, healing ways. So I don't use it casually. Like I said, I only use this drum in ceremony. I don't use it for anything else. It's not, um, you know, just like a party trick or whatnot. It's it's a sacred object. So I treat it with deep respect. I treat the song with deep respect. Uh, and I was talking a little bit about the preparation for the ceremony where I uh, will fast. Like I said, there's, you know, uh, up to I've even done, you know, 48 hour fast. And it's just what I'm guided to do for each ceremony. Um, so a person, a person who's having you do the ceremony do they know what you've done to prepare for it? Or they, you keep... they may or may not. Some people do. That's a lot of preparation because there are people yeah. that I'm just, I'm just making a comment here. This is quite a bit. Yes. Uh, and this is part of why I'll have some people who will say to me like, well, this healing ceremony is, you know, not accessible to many people. And I say, well, I'm really sorry for that, but I'm not going to sell myself short. You know, <laughs> like this is a lot of yeah. energy that goes into it and a lot of yeah. practice and time and years of, study and hours of purification and all of these things that go into it. So um, 
you know, there's always an exchange of energy in anything. And, and this is no different. Uh, I also use, you know, we call them medicines, they're sacred herbs um, that I'll use to clear space to open, you know, the channels and, and there's just a lot that goes into that. But again, this is all preparation for the ceremony. Uh, in the ceremony itself, then I will use my sacred song on my sacred drum um, and I'll do various things. I won't go into details there, but it's still mm -hmm. it's, you know, creating safe uh, space. It's opening those channels again deeper. It's calling in energies that will protect while we do uh, work in this space. And I just call it, you know, psychic space or I call it sometimes the um, vision space. You know, I call it different things, but it's really going into this, you know, what people might call a trance or a really deep meditation. How long? How uh, I, I want you to continue. Just wanna, how long does yeah. something like this take? Um, it's the ceremony itself is about an hour. And then afterwards is when I um, am connecting with the person in three dimensional space and time <laughs> to talk okay. about what happened in the ceremony. So this is another Are thing they... that might be unique to me is that I only have do this over Zoom. You know, I only do it distance so I don't have a, a space to invite people in sure. and i'm no. working with people from all over the world so we do I was just going to ask you that question yeah. <laughs> so do they come in on the zoom after what you've done or during it after because if they came in during it would be just really boring for them honestly because okay. all of this is happening in this shamanic space there's nothing Plus it's happening. your personal experience exactly right there's nothing yes. external and i see their soul there Right. I, what I usually do, I go into this space and it's kind of usually dome like or egg shaped like it's a big open circular sort of space uh, and their soul is in the center of that space. A good, healthy, shining, just vibrant, flourishing soul will be upright and it'll almost be like a tree. And I think a lot of people mm. might be familiar with the sort of toroidal shape. Yeah. Um, and that's really the shape of it. You're sort of this center and this energy is sort of going up and it's also flowing around you and down. And so that's that so like a Taurus. Is that what a yeah. Taurus? Yeah. yeah. Um, that's a very, very healthy state to be in. And uh, to be honest, not a lot of people are in that state when I go in. That's why they've come. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I mean, that would be hope. Oh, you wouldn't want someone to come complete. Then why did they do this? Yes. <laughs> um, and I have, I've had people who are in that state come for a ceremony and those are so different and they're really beautiful too. And they're still very powerful, but uh, it is very different when people come in crisis, often uh, their souls in just a state that isn't quite upright like that. It's sometimes they're literally laying on like the floor as I perceive it. Um, you know, and, and just all sorts of states that are just very clearly in distress. Um, and so that's what I perceive. So they are there, whether they're experiencing that or not is really dependent on their own level of connection and awareness. I have people who will say, I felt it as soon as it started, I knew it, I could feel it, I could feel energy moving around me and within mm -hmm. me. And I have people who are like, I don't know, I fell asleep, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's good, too. I mean, you're still receiving, um, so people experience different things and it's just kind of, it just depends on who they are and none of it's right or wrong, right? That's just how you experienced it. And you either know, it's, way. It's, it's interesting. You, you kind of, uh, kind of keyed me in on something. Uh, one of the things that Gurdjieff talks about when, when he talks about uh, the different things that, that can happen when a person is receiving impressions, for example. And he's, and he says that uh, many times the mind cannot experience it and so the person says i fell asleep but he says very often it's not that you fell asleep 
but that the mind was overwhelmed and cannot have that experience. And so as a result, uh, you think you're sleeping when you're really having an experience that the mind just cannot fathom. Yeah, that's a great way to describe it because your soul's still experiencing it for sure. <laughs> you know, and, and people, even the people who have that sort of like, oh, I fell asleep or I just kind of laid here and just rested and I didn't, I wasn't really aware, nothing seemed to happen. They still experience the healing and they still experience the direct lived experience changes in their life, right? Changes in their relationships, changes in their habits and their personality, even sometimes. So, so there are, ways that they can tell right but it just it wasn't necessarily that sort of energetic way or that sort of spiritual way that some people do feel and some people don't um you know so that's the that's the sort of start of the ceremony and and then from there it can go a million different ways and this is one of the things that i think also is different about me than a lot of healers and a lot of shamans uh, is that some, you know, will say like, I'll do a soul retrieval for you for this much money and I'll do a past life healing for you for this much money and, and whatnot. And I say, I'll do a healing ceremony for you. I don't know what's going to happen during it. You might have a soul retrieval. You might have a couple soul retrievals. You might have a past life healing. You might have a couple past life healing. You might have a past life healing and a soul retrieval. But you I'm don't not, know, right? You don't know what's going to happen as opposed to, let's say someone who says, this is what's going to happen and this is what you're going to pay for. You're saying that it's, you feel it's, it's, it's a little bit better. I'm not going to say it's better, but I, it yeah. sounds like it would be a better idea because here you are able to receive what is appropriate at the time. Exactly. Or at least that's what it sounds like. Exactly. I don't know that your soul is ready for a soul retrieval, but your soul knows if it is your guides and allies know if you are right. And so I'm going to just okay. help. There we go. Stop guides and allies <laughs> yes. okay so let's you know this is this is this is not easy to do here. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um let's talk about guides which a lot of people are probably familiar with but the word ally i recognize from the shamanic uh, readings that i've studied so we could take them separate i think unless unless you see them as the same or something i don't know. i have no idea what other shamans have said about guides or allies cuz i don't know i don't How know what other people do no no let's okay and i didn't mean to feed it that way let's just yeah. say what is your experience so i just say guides and allies because sometimes um sometimes people just resonate with the guide idea right and some people don't really and so i say allies too because there's also a thing that I've noticed a lot of times where these beings on these other dimensional levels, you might say, these other consciousnesses, they um, often would like us to see them more as an ally than like something above us that we're supposed to fall down and grovel and like feel so overwhelmed by their mm -hmm. presence. A lot of them are like, you know, I want to be loved and honored and appreciated, you know, and, and especially that obviously they have different skills and abilities and they're in a different place than us, but they don't necessarily want us to like degrade ourselves in order to be in connection with them. Right. And I think a lot mm -hmm. of us get that from a lot of different traditions, you know, that we are sort of dirty or weak, or we're just so lucky if they like, will even right. connect with us. And a lot of them are just like, no, I want you to just like, invite so, me. And we're not subservient me. to them. Yeah. Very we're important. not less than right. And so and that, I and like that's it. That's very important to, to make that statement because I think a lot of people have learned as far as their particular religion is concerned, which is, you know, you have that 
separation between the the, the front of the, the church that you're looking at and you you're over down here <laughs> you know and nobody goes over there and you can't go past a certain line and they're wearing a costume or i want to call it a costume yeah. <laughs> but a, a garb of some type and you are not and so on and so forth yeah then you're yeah. on your knees you're on your knees for certain things so um so this is very interesting and I, yeah. please continue i just wanted to get I love it. Yeah, that's exactly right. And a lot of people even say, get down on your knees, get down on your knees and pray, get down on your knees and beg. And I mean, there's no reason you can't. I'm okay with that if you want to do that. Right. But uh, you don't have to. Right. And to see. Interrupting for a second. And that's the point. The point is, if you feel inside that you want to 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 uh, get down and, and, and be in that position, that's okay. But if somebody is expecting it or telling you to do it, that's a completely different thing. Very different energy. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I feel humbled when I'm in the presence of many of these beings, right? And I recognize their power and their energy and it's just how lucky I am and how amazing it is. But I don't in any way then go, oh, I need to profess how much lower I am or get down and grovel or beg for anything. No. And, and they wouldn't want me to, and they've never, I've never met an entity that wanted me to, you know, and if I did, I would question whether I wanted to work with that energy or not. <laughs> um, so that's part of why I say allies, you know, it's a little bit more equalizing. Like we're just on the same team. We're working together from very different places and experiences, but we're just, we're, we're pretty much equal, right. In the same sense that all humans are equal. It doesn't mean that I have the same abilities as you, Bruce, or that you have the same abilities as me, but we're still equal. We recognize the value in each other and we don't believe that either of us is better or more valuable than the other person, right? Just because we're different. So I think allies sort of captures that. And I think that uh, when people can start to grasp that, it's really healthy for them to start to see themselves in a, in a more, right? Like I'm worthy, I'm valuable, which most of us need more of. (laughs) Lots of us need more of that. I personally like the idea of the word ally because Again, it's it's uh, you're you're right. I mean, it's syntax is kind of strange, but there's an example of um, a myriad of of differences between the two words, just on the level of feeling. And feeling is very important anyway. Fair. But that's so important. Um, I know when I interrupted you way back, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were talking about the drum, but I was thinking now there were other things that I forgot already about. But you mentioned um, and I can't remember them. But you ran through things so fast. I think you were talking about uh, herbs. Did you mention herbs? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, would it be appropriate to talk about herbs now? Or, yeah. or just, all right, yeah. let's, let's do that. There's so many. And uh, what I also love about this is that anybody, no matter where you are in the world, you have what we would call medicines, which are herbs or, or plant plants, right? that are in your region that are appropriate to be used in various ways. So a good way to go finding some, if you wanted to go out and harvest them yourself, uh, would be to start looking into the local cultures that are that are more ancient and indigenous in the area you're at and find out what they used. If you can't find out what they used for spiritual clearing, it is almost always the same thing they used for clearing, for example, bugs that were you know, like mosquitoes, <laughs> like to keep mosquitoes away, to keep pests away, to keep rats and rodents away, right? To keep things that they didn't want away. It's just so happens. Those are the same medicines often that they use spiritually to keep away negative energies. Um, so you can look into that and find it. So in a lot of places in the in the Midwest of the United States, there's sage. 
sage is the most popular sort of right, one, right? right? Yeah, sage I actually have a couple of sage growing right here that I use on a regular basis, purple yeah. sage. Yeah, you can eat them often too, the sage at least, uh, which is really cool too. Uh, so a lot of these things are used as, you know, internal antiparasiticals or they're external keeping away uh, pests. Uh, and they're also used spiritually to keep away and protect against negative energies. Do they get yeah. rid of mice? Uh, sometimes, you know, like cedar, for example, cedar and clove have been used right. to keep away like mice and pests. So uh, yeah. there are, there's often so many different things you can find. But the insects, the insects, mm -hmm. because here in California, you know, it's like late spring all year long, especially in well, this part, anyway, the southern part. Um, so, I mean, it's just like, it's a, <laughs> it, there's no there's no rest for us. They're all over the place. The only thing I can say, not to get off on a tangent, is we don't have mosquitoes. I, I don't know why. Oh, lucky. I, I have friends in, in, in Florida that, that we can't, they say, no, that's impossible. <laughs> but uh, I, maybe there's, there. I don't know. But And I'm, I can, I basically can walk to the ocean, so I don't know why we don't have mosquitoes, but I don't think there are mosquitoes by the ocean anyway. Yeah, well, I think the ocean, yeah. I've had them near the ocean, but only in like swampy sort of uh, estuary yeah. type areas near the ocean. So maybe the wind or the yeah. sea kind of keeps them away. Great word. Uh, it's like one of those, uh, I always think of a spelling bee. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one of the spelling bee words. <laughs> um, but when I was in South America, yeah. specifically in Ecuador, I stayed with a man there who is... Um, you know, understood some of the native traditions and used some of those ways. And he would be burning Palo Santo in the evening in a giant fire. Uh, and he would, you know, and I asked him, you're like, oh, it smells so good. What is that? And he said, oh, it's Palo Santo. Uh, and and I said, oh, is this like a spiritual cleansing? Because I'd heard of it and I'd used it in my own work. And I just didn't really know that people had like piles of it, and giant logs, you know. And, um, and he said, no, it's just to keep away the mosquitoes. And I thought, oh, yeah, well, that would make sense, right? It is often the same in many of these medicines that we find all around the world. They're used for both. So, so that's just an interesting aside, you know, that anyone can go kind of find out what's near them, harvest it, and use it in the sacred way that it was meant to be used. And really, it's about your intention, right? If I'm putting it in food, my intention is that it's healing me internally. Mm. If I'm going to burn it in ceremony, then my intention is that the smoke is purifying and protecting is usually the two the two things we're going for, right? Some of them are for purification and some are for protection. So um, in the in the case of where we were a few minutes ago talking about this uh this shamanistic yeah. ceremony. Or actually yeah. what is it? What are we talking I call about? it a healing ceremony. Healing but ceremony. it is a shamanistic healing yeah. ceremony. Yeah. So a healing ceremony. All right. So now uh is, is there something that are there anything other things that I've forgotten to mention or or don't even know about? Maybe you can mention them. I'm kind of um, taking it one at a time so that we can kind of make this nice in depth. Yeah, no, I love that. Because um, like you said, I, d I don't know what I rushed through and what uh, <laughs> what I just know too well and, and kind sure. of gloss over. But yeah, we might have touched on that I, I call in my guides and allies for protection. Right, you know? okay. Um, and so they're in a circle around me, a sacred circle. Uh, and within there is when I um, start banishing them for the other person, for their spiritual space. Uh, so I've already cleared with my medicines, my space. That's the same as banishing, right? You're clearing, you're clearing the space. You're clearing the energy. You're banishing anything dark. Oh, I thought you, I thought you were banishing the, the guides and the allies. Oh, we never banished them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't think so. I was like, oh, no, wait a minute, what happened here? <laughs> so um, you're banishing those. Uh, what are they? Energies. 
yeah, you could. I, that, are, that is another that thing I have many a... words for, right? Entities, energies, beings. No, that's right. I, I yeah. always use the word. I use the word energy all the time because I feel yeah. like it's the the least. <laughs> it, it conjures up the least stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so these are the. And would these be things that that you have, or not you? Actually, you're being. I get. I, let me let me make this clear. Yeah. I, from my point of view, and you can correct me if I haven't got this right. So are you being shown what the various problems are that need to be addressed? Or, or is that what you haven't got there yet? But yes. Okay, great. All right. Eventually. So uh, all right, get me there when, when it's the right time. So right. <laughs> I'll, I'll back off and let's continue where we were, which was, I don't know. What I was yes. So let's just say I've I fasted, I've got my tools, I've sure. um, cleared the space, I've invited in my allies and guides to protect me and to protect the space. And then I've started clearing and banishing for the person who the ceremony's for, and you know, inviting them into this space once it's clear. And then I've invited in their guides and allies, who I still may not know for sure who they are, but I will learn soon. <laughs> uh, so they're also there protecting and, and helping and healing this person. I want to also share that people, all of us have infinite guides and allies. So some people I think think that you've got like one or four or, you know, and that those are the ones and there never changes. Um, those that might be true for a time, right? You might have a, some guides and allies that are, those are yours and they're there for a time. You might have some that stick around from birth to death. You might have some that come in for a time. They do some work with you and then they're off and they're doing something else. You can always call them back. It's not like they're abandoning you. They're just like, cool, that's all you really needed from me. Here's this other guide or ally you have that's, you know, going to stick around longer. So things can shift and change. And, um, and that's just true. And so when I do the healing ceremony, the guides and allies that come through for somebody are the ones that they need for that specific healing right then. Right. Oh, that's so, interesting. So, so I always, well, I'm not always, but I mean, I, I, I felt like I understood the idea that we had a few personal guides that were with us all the time. Is, does that still hold true? I, yes. I like, I, for example, have at least two, let's say, that'll have been there since birth and I'm sure are going to be there until death. But I have okay. others that have come and gone and, you know, and when I really look around, I've, we've got infinite. <laughs> there, there's so many, okay. <laughs> right? And so some of so them these are, are like specialists for the ceremony who come in because they have particular information that they're going to use or talk, or uh, do yeah. they talk to you or do they? Yeah. Okay, so yeah. they're going to. And then you have to read, I don't want to make this too complicated. You no, have to report all this later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. And that's a are lot. You are you taking notes or? I do take notes. Yeah. Cool. Um, so I, I had to ask that, you know, pretty early on when, it, when I was guided to start doing these ceremonies, I was like, can I stop and take notes? Cause I'm not going to remember this. And they were like, yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> so um, well, it's something that we would have told you right away. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, before we start. <laughs> So I've, I've, I've kind of, you know, streamlined that a little bit better than I used to at the beginning, but it is because otherwise I'll forget. I go really deep in and I'm almost, uh, I feel like I'm almost sort of unconscious for a lot of it and it's just sort of happening. Um, and then when I come back out, sometimes the details start to become a little, fuzzy just like a dream right when we come right. out of a dream sometimes you're like i know this happened but like there was something i'm missing and sometimes it feels like that to me too but luckily if i ask them like did i miss something they'll tell me um so it's not too bad oh that's good 
yeah, I'm, I'm lucky. <laughs> they understand my poor right. memory. So. Because there's nothing like a dream that you can't recall. Right. <laughs> that you know something happened. You're like, why can't I remember that? <laughs> <laughs> it was you know, important. I took, this is just an aside. Uh, a couple of days ago, I had this dream and I said, okay, I'm going to write this down. Well, I wrote it down in the dream. <laughs> <laughs> so it didn't that help. didn't help. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Awesome. Anyway, so uh, where are we going to now? We're still so, we're, we're really in the midst of this. This is great. Yeah. So we're we're in a ceremony. The the person's soul is in the center. Their guides and allies are sort of around them. And what I um what I do is I ask the guides and allies, you know, what what would you like to do here? <laughs> and then they just start showing me. Um, sometimes we see some dark energies and entities and we work to remove those even more. I know that can be confusing for some people because, you know, you already did the banishing. Why would there be dark energies? But these would be things that are more like an attachment. Uh, so it's kind of deep root, like hooked into the person's uh, spiritual energy. And so we have to do some work to sort of release that. Sometimes uh, we jump instantly into a past life. For me, on, on my end of it, what usually happens is one of their guides or allies appears. I want to be clear that I always make sure that anything that appears is good, true, and beautiful and of the light before I will even engage with it. Uh, and, you know, they are, right? They've gotten to the point where they don't even really try anymore to send in anything else but that because they know I'm not going to fall for it, but that's its own sort of thing. Uh, and so a guide or ally will come through and often just say, like, come on, we're going. Like, we're going to go deep. We're going to go way, way back. And I'll know, okay, well, now we're going on a past life uh, mission or, you know, some some past life healing or sometimes a soul retrieval. And it often feels to me like we have to travel so far uh, mm -hmm. and that it takes so much effort to do. And it looks different for everyone. Um, sometimes we're like tunneling through something. Sometimes we're just flying really far and really fast. Sometimes I'm like riding on the back of one of the allies. <laughs> You're getting paid to do this. The rest of us don't even have this experience. <laughs> well, You're very fortunate. This is good. You're doing you're doing some kind of, of service and at the same time you're getting something really incredible out of it. It is it's true. And I'm always so grateful. I'm always so and I tell people that I'm like, thank you for introducing me to your guides and allies because I wouldn't have probably worked with them otherwise. And it's really beautiful that I get to do that. And and thank you for choosing me to help you heal because I get so much out of it. You know, at the same time, I spend a lot of energy. And so I there was a time where I was, um, you know, doing way too many ceremonies and sessions with people and I got really, really sick. Um, so, you know, as much as there's these beautiful gifts that I get from this, there's also big risks. Um, I've also had really powerful confrontations with darkness that are not fun to go through. And I think every shaman and, and spiritual healer can probably relate. Those can be really very difficult. So I, I don't want to, um, make people feel like you know yeah, to don't scare anybody this. now <laughs> right. but i also don't want people to think that this is just something that i just like jump into lightly and like right, here right. i go it's it's there's a lot there's a lot of of risk to it as well as reward um mm. so i do feel very grateful and i also feel very humble and i also uh you know know that it's it takes a lot to do it so so that often happens uh we'll go see a past life i will uh, some people who are not me will like say the exact year and the place and all of this. And sometimes I get some of that. And sometimes I don't, for example, one person's, I was able to see that they were a leader. It seemed to me almost like a King perhaps, or like a, I don't know the right words. Right. But like a, 
a, a chief or a Jarl, but they were wearing sort of armor and it was sort of medieval. I was able to describe their crest and I was able to say like what quadrant of England it was in, right? And it was up mm -hmm. towards like Scotland and, and that's what I was able to say. And afterwards we went and looked for that exact crest and it existed right. and it was from that exact part of England and had, you know, the same colors and everything. So uh, sometimes I do get really, really specific information and sometimes I don't get as specific information and I just don't think it always matters, I guess, you know, they're just like, who cares? We're not here for that. Right. It's not, it's not actually what the point of this is. The point is actually because something was left here undone or some part of our psyche is actually trapped here. Or another way to think of it is some trauma occurred and the trauma of that is still stuck in our energy field or our body in this life. We've carried it through and that's what we're healing. Uh, and that's why we're, we're here. So uh, this is another reason why I'm so glad I don't tell people ahead of time what's going to happen because sure. maybe this wouldn't have happened if we would have well, all said, no, let's also, do this other thing, right? Also, you fall into the world of contrivance. Yes. You know, if it's, uh, you know, I come out of the world of, uh, of uh, music, the music business, and um, we always used to say that one of the reasons that most most writers have amazing material in the beginning and then the material starts to get less and less it's not because their talent has diminished it's that they're forced by the pressures around them to create and create and create and pretty soon they find themselves contriving just to get get the thing done and then you know what has happened is is that it has turned into something that it was never supposed to be so you know, I have an appreciation, and I'm sure people watching right now have an appreciation for what you're doing to keep that from happening. Oh, I really appreciate that view because that's exactly it. You know, I don't want to pretend <laughs> and I don't want to make things up. And so I'm just going to see what happens. And, and that's much more powerful for all of us anyway. You know, you get so much out of it that way. So, um, so something like that might happen right off the bat. Something like a soul retrieval, which is just a little bit different in that you actually... I've actually traveled into um, somewhat dangerous sort of spiritual places to retrieve something that sometimes was taken from someone somewhat by force. Um, wow. Soul yeah. retrieval. I mean, yeah. <laughs> are we saying that the soul has been like held hostage or something or sometimes? Yeah. Wow. Uh, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes it's also. <laughs> Don't turn this off folks. Don't turn it off yet. Is that <laughs> yeah, we won't get too dark. Um, but yeah. And so, and a lot of times the people kind of know it, like they kind of felt it, they kind of understood, like they, even if it was sort of subconscious, you know, and, um, and so it's really interesting and, and, uh, and powerful. Soul retrieval isn't always that dark, right? Sometimes it is just that we were in our own trauma and we rejected our, you know, experience and we said, no, I'm not dealing with this. This isn't me. I'm not doing it. This is very strong denial. Uh, and we literally just left a piece of our psyche and ourselves somewhere else, um, we can't do that. We can't live not whole, right? So we have to bring it back and we have to integrate it. Um, and so that's part of what we do too. Uh, having said that, you know, sometimes people come to me and they're sure I've got a demonic attachment, you know, it is messing up my life. And I'm like, okay, well, let's see what we can do. And we go in, there's no demon there. <laughs> there is instead often, most often, our, again, our own trauma. And, and the parts of ourselves we are in such deep rejection of that it seems foreign and alien to us. And it's like begging us to let it back in. And we treat it like it's a hostile enemy. And this is just a deep, again, level of psychological self-rejection. Um, and that I find much more frequently.
much more frequently. So that's, that's interesting. I don't, I don't even know uh, how to deal with that yet. I'll, I think I'll be listening <laughs> think about it while I'm <laughs> watching this and editing. Um, okay. So now how are we doing with, uh, with this system? Where, uh, where are we? Are we too, are we getting close to the, the finality or is, I don't want you to leave stuff out. I'm just trying to get an idea. Oh uh, yeah, this is getting close. So usually after some of that is taken care of, it's past life healings or soul retrievals or whatever else, then we go into this uh, creation of an even more powerful circle for this person, uh, more uh, connection to their guides and allies, a deeper connection and some direct blessing or healing uh, of them. Those other things we talked about are, are healing too. They're blessings in their own way too. This is just a little bit more sort of direct. And so we go in a circle uh, and their allies step forward from each direction. So four of them step forward and each of them come with a message and a gift. Uh, and so sometimes I, it's like impressions that I'm getting and I, and I write that down. And sometimes it's a direct channeled message and I put it in quotes because it's them talking like this is what they said. Uh, and those are really, really cool. I, I love it when we get to have those direct messages. They're really powerful and beautiful and um, when I'm sharing those with people afterwards, it's always so interesting to me that they can feel it. You know, it's not just uh, it's not just words like the rest of it is that I'm sharing with them. They can also feel and understand. But this message itself carries its own energy. And it's really beautiful. Channeled messages are just like that. They have their own energy. Every message does. What I'm saying right now has its own energy. What you're saying has its own energy. But these are just they carry this higher level vibration of love and light. And it's so beautiful and i love that i love that part too it's usually a bit lighter than what happened earlier in the ceremony so it's a nice way to to sort of bring in the good messages the good energy you know they're usually very empowering uh they usually touch on a lot of the things that a lot of us are kind of like yeah i know i'm supposed to like do that and okay i'll, I'll do better now you know they really love us they really want us to do what's best for us uh, and so their messages often carry a lot of that too uh, and sometimes it gets very specific and personal and, and some people might feel a little bit like, why are you putting me on the spot like this guide? Like, why are you calling me out? But honestly, sometimes we really need that. So it's always coming in love. We can always feel that from these messages. Uh, and then that's, you know, generally the end of the ceremony. I do a lot of work to integrate all of that because it's a lot happening on the spiritual, the, the psychological, the emotional, yeah, it mental. it sounds like a lot. My it's goodness, a lot. it's, it's a, a lot. job. <laughs> So it sounds like an eight-hour gig here. <laughs> it feels like that. And when I'm going through people with it in that following hour, a lot of times they're just uh, stunned and overwhelmed. And I always say, do you have any questions? I know you do, but I know you're not going to say any of them because you can't you can't wrap your head around all of this. And very few people do in there. Um, so I give some follow-up uh, instructions on you know how to be well. Sometimes they've been given specifically some practices to do, some sort of meditative practices by their guides and allies. They're often very unique and special and just individual to that person. Um, and so it's a, the follow-up care and then and then we say goodbye. It's usually a week or more before I get some feedback that's like, okay, wow, I, I finally think I've just like understood it all and taken it all in. And it is, I tell people, the ceremony, if you choose the ceremony, that huge, this is, again, the most, uh, the biggest sort of deepest thing I do. It often starts like a week before we even do the physical ceremony in 3D time, right? And and then it often lasts for like another week or so afterwards. And, and by that, I mean, once we meet the person saying like, I don't know, the past week, I've been like, 
kind of like weird and seeming to purge some things and just emotional. And it's like, these are often once we go through the ceremony itself, they're, they're echoing. It's like, Oh, there's, there's why you were feeling sort of fearful this whole week, or here's why you sort of had this anxiety this past week or, you know, different things will just sort of be this echo. So these, these ceremonies, they know no time or space. They, they occur in sort of all time and space. And that's part of why we can go to past lives and, and bring things back. And that's part of why uh, we can do it from a distance and we don't have to be together for it to be so powerful. Um, you know, someone asked me once, like, is it more powerful if you do it in person? No, it's not. It's weird. You would think it would be, but it's not. It's exactly the same. And But it makes sense to me because, again, this energy, this spiritual level of being, it's its not constricted like we are in linear time. So it just doesn't matter. This uh, is just, it's its so incredible to think of this. Um, the fact that uh, it's more than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm glad we got into the details of it because that I think is so important because I don't think anyone, I don't even know if anybody's ever really gone through this like this before. I don't think people really talk about it a lot. My shamans, when I've done shamanic healing, did not tell me what I was getting into. And oh my God, if they did, I don't know if I would have done it. So maybe that's good for some people. But um, but I like sharing what it's about, you know, because there's some people out there who have been for example, when I did sort of the equivalent of this healing ceremony, this healing ceremony isn't like anything I've ever received from any other shaman. It really was given to me by my guides and allies, and I was guided to do it in this way from them. Um, so they're my best teachers. But uh, when I've done soul retrievals and, and other higher level sort of shamanic healings before, uh, you know, I, d I didn't know what I was getting into, and, and they were really sort of sudden and, and rough and severe. And uh I don't know. They were, they were a bit much. And, but I went into them knowing, having thought for years, actually, like, I feel like I need some sort of like purging on a spiritual level. I feel like there's just something that I can't do myself and I don't even know what to call it. I'm like, I would call it an exorcism, but I don't think I'm like possessed, you know, I just, but I just don't know what else to call it. And then I'd meet, you know, a shamanic healer and they'd say to me, well, you have something really dark. You need to like clear out from your soul and whatever. I'm like, that that's what I've been feeling like. And, you know, and they're like, well, here's this thing we can do. So I just know there might be people out there that go, oh my gosh, maybe this is what it is. Maybe this is what I've been needing, you know, and, and maybe it is. I will say the guidance session that I offer is a much lower, much sort of easier, uh, also much cheaper for that reason. But seriously, profound healing can also happen in that. It's just not such a big commitment and such a possibly scary and overwhelming sort of feeling. So that's also um, something that I love to do with people. I do it much more frequently. Let's talk a little bit about the four books that you've written and published. Um, and I'm going to kind of give you the floor here. Sign Curve of Aeons was first. Uh, and Sign Curve of Aeons, you know, came to me as a trilogy, actually. Uh, and it came to me uh, first. And, you know, some people will call this a download, right? I received all three books literally in a flash at once. And I knew exactly what they were. And I jotted down as much notes as I could to get the like concept out. Because I knew otherwise it was going to go away. <laughs> I was going to forget like we've talked about. Um, so I made those notes really quick. And then I said to myself, I don't know how to write fiction. I'm, I'm an English major. I'm an English teacher. Um, I also have been reading my whole life since I was very, very young. Uh, so I do understand fictional novels, but I've never written one. And I had only ever written nonfiction and poetry. And so 
uh, a lot of essays and these types of things. So I just thought, I don't know how to do this. But um, my guides and my allies were like, you just sit down and just start doing it. Like, we got you. And I was like, okay, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll try it. So I sat down and started writing. I had no idea the characters. I had no idea when. I had no idea what exactly was going to happen. I just had the sort of overview, right? I just had that sort of flash of inspiration and, and how it was going to be three books and how they would connect. So I would sit down and images and scenes would just fall into my head fully formed and I would just start describing them. Uh, and then a new character would come up and I would say like, what's this character's name? And I would just sort of understand it and I would just start describing it. So I much, much later, pretty much by the time I was almost done with this book, which is a pretty sizable book, understood that this was kind of a form of channeling. It wasn't quite automatic writing, wasn't quite channeling, but it was very, very similar That in that it was coming to me. I wasn't ever creating it, right? I wasn't ever brainstorming it. I wasn't ever trying to get it out. I was just seeing it and understanding what was happening and describing it. So, uh, you know, I don't know for sure that people would call it channeled, but it's very, very similar at least. And that whole book happened in that way. It blew my mind. There was things in it that I didn't even know were were real. And then I was able to go look and find them in reality. Uh, one of them being this sort of being you see on the front here on the cover uh, is a sort of representation of the the god Cernunos, uh, which is one of the characters in the book uh, that I didn't know existed until I started writing the book. And then I went and found it synchronistically and realized that it was a real thing. So he has become one of my favorite guides and allies since this book because he's just so powerful and um, beautiful. Uh, and so I was really grateful for that. So that's how Sign Curve came about. It's a beautiful book. It's about humans in the golden age, you know, what we were doing and how it is that we fell from a golden age into a dark age. What were the very subtle sort of doorways to evil we left open and, and how that would lead away from golden ages into, you know, this sort of Kali Yuga and dark age that we're in now seemingly um, um what we, which uh, book would we like to speak about next earth a trough in time is the sequel to that book and that is about now this time that we're in the kali yuga the dark age it's the same story but it's so much later in time you can read these in any order it was channeled in the same way it has a lot to do with technology uh and uh i guess i'll leave it at that it's just, it's another spiritual look at, at what we're doing here in the dark age as humanity and perhaps how we can find our way out of it again it's a very hopeful book actually and i'm right now currently working on the the final book in this trilogy and it's it's nearing completion but i've been saying that for a while but you know how things go <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's, how, that's how people write <laughs> right <laughs> um, um what about all endings so All Endings was next. And this was the first book I did that was directly channeled. So um, it's funny at the end of my show, I always do an outro and I write the outro before the show, but the show is live. So I don't actually ever know what's for sure going to be happening in the show. I don't know exactly what we're going to say or do. I don't know. But I write these conclusions, these sort of, you know, final monologues to summarize everything and wrap the show up ahead of time. I started realizing pretty quickly that they were always uncannily right on as to what we ended up talking about, even when what we talked about wasn't necessarily even expectable because the person who I'm interviewing might be in this totally different field, but we end up somewhere completely different. And then the ending suddenly makes perfect sense. So uh, people would say to me, like, I love your endings to your show. I love these. And I'd say, I, these are crazy. They're, you know, channeled. They're beyond me. I, I'm impressed by them. And I thought, uh, oh, 
you know, guides and allies said, put them all together. It's actually, this is like an inspirational sort of book. Uh, and I thought, wow, that's really cool. So I grabbed them all. I kept all my show notes for years. I grabbed all those endings and I put them each on their own page. And it really was like this book, you could just sort of open to any page and just get this yeah. dose of, of inspiration or beauty. But what's even cooler, the people who started buying this started reporting back to me using it like an oracle, you know, like bibliomancy or they ask a question and you open to any page. I don't know if people out there have done that or if you've done that, Bruce, but you can do I it. Actually, I actually have a book that I published like that, which... Uh, oh, wow. I'll, 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 I'll send you a copy. Oh, yeah, we should exchange. I'll send you some, too. <laughs> That's this is so really cool. tiny. It's about, it's about this big. It's just a little, this... little, little square oh, yeah. book. But uh, oh, actually, cool. my, actually, it was my son's idea, and uh, we did it together because I had the publishing company. But I'll, I'll get that. one to you. I yeah. Oh, it's called the Oracle Book. That's the name of it. I was trying That's to so funny. That's what I call this book. I'm like, this is an Oracle. You can ask it a question and open it, and it will answer the question. <laughs> All right, I'm taking How you funny. to court. No, yeah. <laughs> we'll have to exchange. That's so cool. That's this one's funny. also pretty. It's pretty thin. It's a it's a short, small book, but it's really beautiful and powerful. And then um, the key of transformational healing. You know what actually happened was I got a reminder on my phone that popped up one day, and it said consider writing the key of transformational healing. And I went, okay, like, what? what? <laughs> Who put this reminder here? Supposedly I did, right? It's my phone and my calendar, but I don't remember ever putting that reminder in anywhere. Uh, and so then I had to take it very seriously and stop and go, well, what is the key of transformational healing? And so I asked my guides and allies and they said, oh yeah, like we did that. Uh, it's time for you to write this book. <laughs> I was like, well, that's a really direct way of getting me to pay attention. Thank you. Um, and I did similar to Sign Curve. You know, I just sat down and I said, I don't know. I don't know what this book's going to be or what I'm supposed to do. Um, but I just got quiet and I kind of went into that deeper internal spiritual space. And it, again, finally uh, came out, you know, really direct channeling word for word. This is the message. Uh, you start, we're going, 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 going. Kate, we're done for today. And I'd stop and I'd go back and read it and go, wow, <laughs> that's really cool. Um, and that just kept happening. And then one day they said, okay, that's done. That's the end of the book. I said, okay, <laughs> there's the book. Like, I considered writing it and then I wrote it. And um, I didn't really write it though, did I? I just allowed it to come through. Something else wrote that book. Um, and I just get to enjoy it. And it's very powerful. It's very deep. If people especially are already sort of on a spiritual path, I think it's extra um, good if you're kind of like new and have no idea about anything. It might be like a little bit too much. Like, and not that it's going to harm you, just that it might be like, what <laughs> is this? It's a bit heavy, you know. So, yeah. It's for those of you, who, for those of you who are listening, um, you can look uh, look those up on uh, rogueways.org. That's r o g u e w a y s dot org. And it's Lindsay Sharman, S-C-H-A-R-M-Y-N. And you can find them on Barnes & Noble and Amazon as well. But sure. I, if you get them from me, I write you a little inscription at the front, a little channeled message for you. So I noticed that. That's why I thought oh, I'd do it this way. Yeah. Um, Lindsay, what a great show. I wish we could, oh. you know, not I wish, but we'll just have to do this again. It'll be really Anytime. nice. I hope you'll, uh, you know, be encouraged to come back and do this again. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. You ask really great questions, uh, like I said, especially because I don't always know what, what people want to hear about. So thank you for letting me know and, and helping me through that. This is Timeless Voyager, and I want to thank you for listening to the Timeless Voyager series. My name is Bruce Stephen Holmes. 
I hope that your own personal voyage through life towards the development of your highest potential is a joyous and successful one. 